Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Another very, very, I'm going to say triple very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, I have one of my favorite teachers, one of my favorite authors on, uh, someone I consider a big brother, a mentor, a dear friend. Uh, He's full of life, full of fun. He's the real deal. We've had him on to uh, Soul Talk a few times. I was just saying before we started, he's becoming a Soul Talk regular. Uh, and I just love have, having him on. The last time we had him on, I mean, he just dropped so much wisdom when it came to relationship, men, women, dynamics. It was, it was powerful. His most recent book is Beyond Mars and Venus. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Mr. Mars and Venus, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Uh, I mean, not too much needs to be said. He's written 20 plus books and millions and tens of millions of copies sold. And the guy's a legend in my eyes. Welcome to Soul Talk, John Gray. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk soul to soul. <laughs> yeah. it's, great, it's great having you here, you know. I mean, uh, honestly, I think back to when I was a kid, John, uh, 14, 15 had no relationship, didn't know what a relationship was. But I was reading uh, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, preparing for the future. And so, <laughs> you know, just uh, sometimes when you meet people that, are, that you look up to, it's disappointing. But meeting you and uh, getting to know you in reality has uh, exceeded my expectations. So just thank you for just being an, an example, you know, of just integrity and genuineness and realness. You know, it's a real, real honor. It's a real honor. Well, simply said, it takes one to know one. <laughs> so listen, I, w- I want to dive right in, John. 2020, you know, an intense year, challenging year. We weren't quite expecting it. Uh, people have lost a lot of different things. It could be lost, could be from the standpoint of the year didn't go according to plan. And I had all these dreams and visions and so the loss of a dream and vision. Some people have lost businesses. Uh, some people have lost money. Some people have, have lost, sadly, you know, friends and family and loved ones uh, over the last year. And so I know that, uh, and hopefully it's okay to talk about this. I know you mentioned sure. it was, uh, you, you lost your dear wife, you know, and, and, and uh, I got to meet her and she was at TLC. I mean, she was like an angel. She would just float into the room and just light it up and uh, always just a blessing, really, a heart full of love in the moments I got to know her. So I, I like to talk about loss, John. And firstly, I'm curious. I know you were married a long time. And ha- I, I can't even, honestly, I can't even imagine to have such a love and depth and what that experience would be like. I mean, I've loved and I've broken up and it's been intense. But to have what it felt like you had, I guess... What was that like? 
How did you deal with it? How are you dealing with it? And maybe you can share some words of wisdom from your experience as to how people can deal with loss of anything, loss of a loved one, loss of anything, and the grieving process. Well, so 2020 came early for me in 2018 when I lost Bonnie. Bonnie's my soulmate. You know, people always ask, what is a soulmate? You know, we have a lot of, I think all intimate relationships are there to teach us a lesson. We grow through them. I had many relationships. I also was single. I was a celibate monk for nine years. I'm a very spiritual guy. Uh, I was very happy with that. You know, everybody's got their different journeys, but it was set up in heaven for Bonnie and I to meet. Uh, when I, um, through part of my spiritual journey, I experienced past lives and I experienced life between life. And I remembered being with Bonnie, but, but not yet, uh, you know. It was interesting. She was married before, had a children, had a child in Switzerland when I was the assistant to Maharishi of the TM movement. And Maharishi said, oh, there's a pregnant woman. She found out she was pregnant there. And so he said, you should take care of her. So she was pregnant with her first child. She was wow. married to another man. I never met her in person. I never knew her name. I just knew she was the pregnant lady. And so this was this was seven years before I actually met her again after she was divorced and after I stopped being a monk, then I, you know, I, it was a funny story. Uh, just to think about this story, Marishi said, what does she need? So I called him up and I said, what does she need? A comfortable chair. I made sure she had a comfortable chair, a nice sofa kind of chair. And she wanted cottage cheese because she was vegetarian and wanted some good protein for the child. Mm -hmm. Marishi didn't know what cottage cheese was. So he said, go to the, so the, this is in Switzerland. He's from India. So it was some strange food for him. So he said, go to the grocery store and buy everything. So I bought everything and packed it into the car, brought it back, showed him everything. So that's what really struck in my mind that I was always supplying this cottage cheese for this woman. <laughs> I didn't know till later after I'd been a monk for nine years, I'd gone out into the world. I was now uh, enjoying sex, you know, learning about sex because people, I even taught seminars on sex because wow. people say, if you're a monk for nine years, how can you teach a seminar on sex? I said, if you haven't had sex and you haven't masturbated in nine years, when you start having sex, you are in heaven. <laughs> and, Wait, a, a side note to the story, just what was it like? This is a side note. Then I want to get back to the like real yeah. topic. What was it like when you had sex the first time? It was in, I was in heaven. I didn't even know I was going to have it. I was uh, just following my heart. What had happened was I'd been this celibate monk. I, I can meditate for hours, 10 hours a day on average, even more. And, and I, I was really very fulfilled. I was his personal assistant. I kind of ran the show when I wasn't meditating and teaching his teacher training programs. I was kind of a celebrity in that movement as well. It seemed to follow me around in my life. But my brother was bipolar and that was a bummer. I just couldn't sit there and be so happy if I couldn't help my brother. And I tried meditation with him and it didn't really fix it for him. So that's why I left. I left to, uh, to help my brother. But as I left, the night before I left, I had a dream of having sex with a woman. That was interesting. Hadn't had that ever in wow. nine years. So <laughs> then I arrived and I ended up staying in this sort of area where there are a lot of little houses and they all shared this refrigerator in the big house, cheap, cheap lodging. And that oh woman God. in my dream came into the room. Oh so God. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this meant to be. What is it about this woman? So I went and I wasn't planning to have sex. I just went, it was a special connection. 
So she would have nothing to do with me. So I sat outside her little cottage and meditated all day. And rarely do you see a guy sitting in Lotus for like six hours, you know? So she said, <laughs> okay, who are you? <laughs> and I said, I was the, I, I, I used to be the personal assistant to Maharishi of the TM movement. She was the personal assistant to Claire Prophet, who was kind of an American oh, woman yeah. guru. And, and she had left as well. So we felt there was like this amazing coincidence there of two people. So she said, I said to her, so what do you do here? And she says, well, I'm a massage therapist. I said, oh, that's interesting. She said, would you like a massage? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, sure. She said, well, take off your clothes. Oh, whoa. <laughs> so there I am lying naked on the table. And she said, after she's massaging me for a while on my back, I said, she said, so why is it that you're a celibate? And suddenly for the first time in my life, I had no reason to be a celibate. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ended up making love for two days before I actually finished and ejaculated. Wow. It was, we just stayed all the time in bed. We ate, we slept, but it was amazing. I felt like I was in heaven. And uh, then what happened is eventually I started uh, having sex and ejaculating and having been celibate, it enhances your spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then all of this sort of extra spiritual experience I had kind of went away, but I was okay with that. I was still feeling a oneness with the universe. I knew where I, who I was, that we're all one with the God and one with the universe. So that feeling of connection was still there, but mm -hmm. nothing like before. Before mm -hmm. it was like... Uh, Yogananda book, you know, traveling wow. out of the body and flashes wow. of, you know, beautiful re resonance. Uh, even now, though, um, okay, so that's a long time ago, but sex was great. So then I left her and I traveled around being kind of like a traveling Casanova, feeling like I'm God's gift to women because <laughs> I was so into it. And I told him up front, you know, I'm very open. I'm just learning uh, how to have sex uh, and make women happy. And so I would interview women when I'm making love to them what what really what what they really liked and so that gave them permission to ask what they like also because mm -hmm. i've been a monk they kind of felt okay he doesn't have to know so after about a year of that lots of women and they were all very happy they understood they were teaching me and guiding me then i started teaching classes on sex i said every guy <laughs> to know this stuff every woman needs to know this stuff because i learned so much uh -huh. and there weren't a lot of books around now there's a lot of books uh, but still people need good education on sex mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that became a foundation of my eventually, I was studying psychology, but also I was earning my way by teaching classes on love and sex. And that evolved because mm -hmm. sex, the whole point of sex is to experience higher levels of love. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men don't know that, you know, because sex can be so, uh, so pleasurable and the pleasure just overwhelms you. It's just so good. It's kind of like eating ice cream. You know, mm. you could be with a woman and you say, I love you, but actually it's like saying, I love you to a bowl of ice cream. And that, that could be very confusing for women uh, because men can feel so much and then it goes away after they have an orgasm, mm. unless they bonded with her, both mm. mentally, emotionally. Then when you have sex, you ejaculate, uh, you're still bonded to her because mm. when men ejaculate, the research now shows, I, now I can teach this stuff like this because I got research backing it up. Mm -hmm. Men's testosterone goes down 50% mm -hmm. every time you ejaculate. And then you got, if you don't ejaculate for about six days, seven days, uh, it will double again. Mm -hmm. So, and doubling is where you experience your capacity to be deeply in love. A woman needs uh, to double her estrogen levels to be deeply in love and be very orgasmic. 
a man needs his testosterone level to double to feel that bond that's unshakable. And so you want to make a commitment and you can keep coming back to her feeling you got the best. You know, many beautiful women in the world, but you're the best. That's what I'd say to my wife. You know, she she was an angel. So anyway, oh. having traveled around, Bonnie was, Bonnie's my wife, yeah. was one of those women. And so after connecting with Bonnie, I gradually started leaving all the other women behind. Mm. Eventually wanted to be with Bonnie and wanted to marry her. But I was still kind of this open guy. You know, I want to be free. And there was still this other woman that was hanging on. She just couldn't, she kept coming back to me, coming back to me. She left her husband for me. I said, please don't, but she did. And so I thought, okay, I'll just have an open relationship with Bonnie and Barbara. Well, Bonnie said, I'm not into it. I don't think you're ready to be married. So we broke up with love and I married Barbara for a couple of years, made a ton mm. of mistakes. Mm. I realized that men and women really are different because that's what sort of killed the passion within two years because I was way on my female side. She was way on her male side. We didn't have a language for it. Mm. But then after I healed that breakup, that was devastating. Nothing more devastating. I mean, it was close, but not even close to losing Bonnie after 34 years. We'll get to that. But after that breakup, I, was, I couldn't teach the seminar I was teaching, which was one was on sex and one was called Making Love Work. Because the idea of lasting sex, you've got to have love. But in my marriage, it was like she fell in love with some other guy. And that was my first wife, Barbara. Uh, that was devastating. It took me about nine months to really heal that loss. I learned a lot. And then I just happened to call up Bonnie and I heard her voice. And that's when I heard the bells in heaven, the heavenly music. That's why they say sometimes for some people, you hear the bells. Literally, wow. heaven has this beautiful music that I used to hear when I would meditate. And I hadn't heard it in years. But when I talked to Bonnie, suddenly I was hearing the music again. I remembered our souls connecting, making this connection for this lifetime. Was and it, that just told me. Was it the timing? Uh, it just timing. Didn't... I had to be ready. See, yeah, I wasn't yeah. ready. And that's funny that when Bonnie said, you know, when I wanted to marry her, and the second time I met her and we were there together for two years, I wanted to marry her. And she said, I just don't think you're ready. And she was right. I wasn't ready. I'm so glad that I went through all of this confusion with my first wife because she was really into making me into a feminine. You know, you should always talk about your feelings, you know, and, and what are you feeling and what else are you feeling? And if I wanted to take my cave time, she was like knocking on the door. You can't do that. You have to always have to be connected. Wow. And, I, and it was so, so it's like I had to go the wrong direction before I could go the right direction, as cliche mm -hmm. as that is. <laughs> Uh, and then I called up Bonnie and I was ready. We stayed married for 34 years after that. And I mean, I proposed her a month later. You know, I would have proposed to her that night. I knew it. But uh, she needed to experience me. And she realized that I had changed and I had grown. And we were so deeply in love. And we kept that going. Now, it wasn't like we didn't have issues and challenges that come up, just like every couple. It's just that all the ideas of Men Are From Mars helped me and her come back to loving. See, a lot of couples fight, but they don't know how to process their feelings. And so they start to, they, they start to avoid upsetting their partner. You know, they adjust themselves. It's like a minefield. I can't share this. I can't be this. I can't do that. And so that transparency of being intellectually naked, emotionally naked, then physically naked, that's what we had. And you know, a lot of couples, they stay together with a kind of sweet love. Cause you know, Bonnie and I, we were like twins after a while. <laughs> like we're just like this couple and we always had so much. 
But what was different is we had great sex. You know, a lot of people with 34 years, they learn to have harmony together. Yeah. But they don't having the passion. Yeah. And the passion never went away in that relationship. And it's mm-hmm. because Bonnie was so good at opening her heart again and again and again if I did the wrong thing. And I was, if I got upset about something, I would always stop talking, go to my cave. That's the cave idea, men are from Mars. And I process my feelings. I don't throw them on her. You know, all negative, all negative emotions are blame. I never blamed her for anything. And I thank her for that because there was a time in our marriage where I said to her after about three or four, three or four years in the marriage, I said, why is it I'm the one who always apologizes? I'm always saying I'm sorry. You never say you're sorry. <laughs> you know, and she, then she got very tender and she said, John, I grew up with a mother that made me wrong for everything. Mm. And if mm. I said, I'm sorry to you and you said you should be, it would just break me. Mm. It's just so hard for me with you. Mm. And I love you so much. and I'm afraid. And I said to her, I felt her pain. I said, okay, honey, I just want you to know you never have to apologize for everything. I know you're doing your best. Mm. And, and so I never blamed her for anything. I just made a commitment because it was too hard for her. But actually, it was a benefit for me because if you can't blame somebody, then you have to like listen to that inside and let it go. And what I found is that not like I didn't emotionally or mentally think in my head, you know, when you were triggered, stuff comes up, you know, these are automatic reactions of blame. And that's human. And actually, it's not human. It's monkey. OK, <laughs> it's, it's survival. We we're in the survival level. We, we always want to be right. And, and that's a natural, people call that the ego. I call it the monkey, but you can call it inner child being afraid of being wrong because then you could be thrown away. Mm-hmm. So you try to be good. You try to be right. It's an automatic reaction. So when I would have that automatic reaction, I would stop talking. I go to my cave. Usually I'd meditate for a little while in order to rebuild my testosterone. Because see what happens for men is whenever they're blaming their testosterone levels are low. Mm-hmm. That's a stress reaction. We now we can measure when you're in fight or flight. Clearly, you're blaming somebody in fight or flight. You're in, <laughs> you're the bad guy. And um, what happens in fight or flight? And this is like amazing new knowledge, which is when cortisol level, the heart stress hormone goes up, men their testosterone levels start to drop and their estrogen levels start to rise. You see, for men, when they're happy, fulfilled, their testosterone levels are at least ten times higher than a woman. And when a woman is happy and fulfilled, her estrogen levels are at least 10 times higher than a man's. So mm-hmm. you've got these female hormones and male hormones. Mm-hmm. And when men are experiencing cortisol, they've measured this now, men's estrogen levels are rising high and his testosterone is going down. So your masculinity is going down when you're actually angry. That was like such a revelation. I don't want to be, you know, lose my power as a man. Mm-hmm. And so anger, I realized, oh, if I'm angry, don't talk because if you talk when you when you have estrogen surging, estrogen goes higher and higher. Mm. Uh, it's like couples, they argue, they go back and forth. For a woman, if she talks, her estrogen level will go up. That's why 90% of the people who go to therapists are women because all you have to do is talk about how you feel, your estrogen will go up. Now, uh, sometimes that's productive, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're with somebody who just feels sorry for you. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> I never feel sorry for any of my clients. I feel compassion, which is I, I can empathize with them. And I rejoice that they're doing something about it and their life will get better. Mm-hmm. You know, they think, oh, poor you. 
you know, you can't ever be happy again. I wish you could be like me. That's terrible. You see, it's that, but we, some women, when they share their feelings, it's reinforcing, feel sorry for me, see I'm this, I'm that, whatever. That's why I can't be happy as opposed to I'm not happy. I'm in pain. I'm, a, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm, so if a woman can share her feelings without trying to change someone, and that's like if you're upset with your partner and you express all your negativity at them, then what that does, it changes your brain. See, the brain is plastic now. We learned that. What you, how you use your brain, the brain changes. So if you use negative emotions to get what you want, mm. then when you're not getting what you want, your brain generates negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And to generate negative emotions, the brain has to look for problems. That's called a bias towards negativity. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody can experience this one simple concept of a bias towards negativity. If you were to come to my house, you'd see a beautiful house. I have a party at my house. People come, they look, oh, look at that. That's so nice. That's so nice. Beautiful home. But if you wanted to buy my home, you'd hire someone to see what's wrong with it. Right. <laughs> my daughter got a house. We had to pay somebody to come in like, is there mold? Is the heating working? Yep. Do the duct work? What's the electricity bill? You know, is it insulated? <laughs> yeah, all these things. Mm. A rot, you know, uh, these are leaks in the roof. Shower's not working, you know. You have to examine everything. So if you're going to buy something, you go into a bias. Mm-hmm. This is the way the brain goes. And women, when they're in fight or flight, their brain goes into a bias and sees what's wrong. You can't see what's good at that time. And men go into a bias. They can't see what's right. Mm-hmm. And so what men will tend to do, and this changes as men become more on their estrogen side and women go on their males, their, mar- their testosterone side. But what tends to be the case quite commonly is in order to cope with that stress, okay, of, of bias towards negativity, men tend to minimize, and that's healthy for men. No big deal, he says. No mm-hmm. problem. Nothing I can do about it. I'll wait till tomorrow. Well, I don't know yet for sure if that's going to be a problem. Well, it's water under the bridge, so there's nothing we can do about it now. Let's start over. Mm-hmm. You see, these are all mechanisms in order to minimize the problem. Mm. For a man, that lowers his stress level. That actually increases his testosterone. Because see, when a man feels I can solve a problem, testosterone goes up. If a man can't solve a problem, testosterone goes down. And to whatever degree it's a threat, his estrogen levels go up. Mm. So I can't solve the problem now my testosterone's going down, my stress levels are going to go up. So what I do as a man is go, well, it's not that big of a deal anyway. Well, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. I just have to accept it. Well, that's mm-hmm. just the way things are. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry about it because it hasn't happened yet. So you see, these are all mechanisms that men naturally have. And a lot of people are, minim- are, are saying that's bad. That's really good. Mm-hmm. But it's not good if a woman's upset and you use it on her. Because her biology is different. When she's under stress, she has too much testosterone. Mm -hmm. Testosterone is that part of you that says, I have to protect myself. I'm alone. I'm independent. I got to do it myself. So if a woman feels an estrogen says, I can depend on help. I've got a community. I've got friends. I got a husband. I got God. I got all these things to support me. That's estrogen producing. I got doctors, I got teachers, I got gurus, whatever it is. When you feel I have safety, I can depend on someone to give me what I need, your estrogen goes up. Mm -hmm. 
So the challenge for women today is this great thing happened in the 60s that started happening after World War II, which was a major shift on our planet. It was supposed to be the war that end all, ended all wars. There was a moment, kind of like if you have a big argument with somebody afterwards, you feel really good, <laughs> even <laughs> though it's not, it's dysfunctional. Mm. It's dysfunctional, but you know, there's something called make up sex because you get to express everything. <laughs> you end up devastating your relationship, but you feel better. There's a release of energy, kind of like taking cocaine. Well, World War II was a big release of energy. Everybody felt at ease. The war is over. And that gave freedom for us to be more of who we are. Because during right. the war, women were all like in the factories. So suddenly women were feeling their oats, you know, look what we can do. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a spiritual shift in consciousness at that time mm -hmm. where, where women could, most women, not all, could access their male energy quite easily. Mm -hmm. And men could access their female energy quite, e quite easily. Mm -hmm. Like in the 60s, I grew up my hair. That's called being like a girl, you know, I went feminine energy. I had uh, hippie clothes. I had bell-bottom pants. I was proud of how I looked. I was demonstrating for peace and love. See, there was all men going over to their female side. And right. all the women were like, you know, empowered. You know, we can be like men. We can do what men do. We're going to run the companies. We're going to have free sex. You know, we can be like that. Birth control. Mm. So. The world changed dramatically. And what mm -hmm. happened was permission for women to go to their male side, permission for men to go to their female side. And nobody knows how to get back. See, women so, so, quick question I have on, on that is, is what do you say to, let's say, folks that might say, well, but John, feels like you are, uh, you know, especially folks that have the whole gender identity conversation, right? John, it feels like hey, this is archaic. I mean, women should have to be, however they want to be, and why are we pigeonholing men being a certain way and women a certain way? We all have masculine and feminine inside of us. You know, why shouldn't men be able to be a certain way and we all have a right to be how we want to be? Isn't it limiting to assign these gender roles and identities and ways of being to man and woman? And, and well, I think you're talking about somebody else. Shouldn't we go beyond that? Shouldn't we? We're, we're my, souls. We're yeah, souls. That's my, that's my most recent book. It's called Beyond Mars and Venus. Uh -huh. Have I said anything that implies that men should only be one way, women should only be one way? You haven't. But, I, I, no, but that's what people think. Right. As soon as I, we see, what I'm telling you is we have, everybody can be more who their unique self is. Mm. But the problem is people don't know how to be their unique self. See, I'm enjoying my conversation with mm -hmm. you. Because you're, I'm talking soul and soul to you. You're an authentic being. Mm. I'm an authentic being. I, I put it all out there. I'm transparent. I'm naked intellectually, emotionally. Mm -hmm. And with my part, with my, my wife, I'm naked physically. I don't go that way with everybody. <laughs> just, <laughs> just her. So, you know, if somebody says, somebody says, uh, I, a woman says, I want to be head of a corporation. I said, no problem. That's, that's part of who you are. What a great world that can now support you in filling your masculine oats, so to speak. Are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling you can't sleep at night? Do you have issues overeating? And she says, yes. I said, well, I know the reason why. All of those mm -hmm. symptoms is because you have elevated stress hormones. And I know what causes elevated stress levels in your body is if you're a woman, your estrogen levels are too low. Mm. You're producing too much testosterone and inhibiting the production of estrogen in your body. 
She said, that means I can't be CEO of the company? I said, you can. You just have to have skills so that at the wow. end of the day, Mm-hmm. You're able to balance those male hormones with female hormones. What are some of the things a woman listening to this conversation who is a CEO and, and driving and running her own company can do to balance that? Well, I would never give her any advice unless she told me she's stressed out. Then yeah. stressed let's, say out. She, let's say she, I am stressed out, John. I am stressed out. I am over Let's say she's stressed out. Let's say she can't have an orgasm even. That's a big one today. I think orgasms are so good for women and men. Mm. I mean, when you feel the greatest, your heart is full of love, you have orgasm, you feel spectacular. This amazing experience. Well, you need double the estrogen if you're a woman to have an orgasm. That's measurable. Mm. So you're making testosterone all day. You're feeling independent. That's testosterone production. You're making decisions. Decisions are always testosterone production. Mm. Uh, you're, you're having to be analytical and push your emotions to the side. That's testosterone producing. You have a complaint inside, but you can't utter it because you're there to serve others. That's testosterone producing. You don't always like your job, but there's certain things you have to do to make money. That's called, that's te- every time you sacrifice anything, that's testosterone producing. Okay, so now we understand what testosterone, some of the aspects of testosterone. What's estrogen producing? Well, let's give you some examples. Go shopping. If you enjoy shopping, it's because it's estrogen producing, because you're depending on buying something to feel good. Mm. Let's say you enjoy eating. You're a real quick, you just love to eat. Well, that's estrogen producing. The problem is if you don't have other things to produce estrogen, you just want to eat all the time. Got it. So it may be a woman or someone isn't producing enough estrogen, they might reach, so, so one way of seeking that is through food. Yes, yes, because we know whenever you're dependent on something to make you happy, if you're mm-hmm. a woman, your cortisol levels go down, you feel good, your stress mm-hmm. hormone goes away, your mm-hmm. symptoms of, of being too far on your male side can go away. But is that a good way to do it? No, mm-hmm. you're focusing too much on one thing you're dependent on mm-hmm. as opposed to other things that are missing in your life. Mm-hmm. So what might those be? Well, in the past, people believed in God. Oh, that's a great one. Prayer. Oh, my gosh. You see, she's right with me right now. Mm. I got my angel behind me, the divine. That helps my female side, depending on the divine. Mm. See, women, so many women today don't believe, don't feel, don't experience the divine energy of meditation, of devotion, dancing. Dancing is where you're depending on the music, the flow, but even more powerful in terms of estrogen production, dancing with a man who knows how to do old-fashioned dancing. Mm. Old-fashioned dancing is amazing estrogen producer where you're able to yield and surrender to him guiding you and leading you. Whenever someone is guiding and leading you and you're surrendering to them, estrogen gets produced. If you go to a yoga class, First of all, you're surrounded by other women if you're a woman. See, yoga used to be taught to us guys mainly, and we did it alone. But now it's come to the West because women do have more testosterone and it's a, it helps a bit to take responsibility for your health. That's a testosterone producer, but they do it in a very feminine way, estrogen stimulating way. They mm-hmm. do it with a lot of women around them. They do it with music, soft environment. 
Men didn't do that. We go into the jungle to meditate. <laughs> you know, there's a whole different thing. You go to your cave to do it and do your yoga practices. And but the the women, you know, when I was a yogi back in the day in India, you get up before the sunrise, go bathe in the Ganges. At least I did once. Then I realized all the, the yogis came out after the sun came out. <laughs> but anyway, austerity, deprivation, sacrifice for the divine cause. This all testosterone producing. So when, when I'm on your female side, you're in, you're, you get to wear pretty clothes. You get to be with other women. You play the music. The yoga teacher guides you and you follow them. Following, being led, that's your female side. Now, am I, am I saying women should just never make decisions and be led all the time? No, mm. I'm just saying, particularly if you have a job where you have to make decisions all the time, what you need is some romance. What is romance? Romance is a huge estrogen producer because theoretically, if you do it right, the man does everything for you. Mm. With my wife, I would say, you know, in the beginning where we got these things all clear, <laughs> I'd open the car door for her and I say, now, honey, I just want you to know, of course, you can open the car door yourself. But you give so much to me and everybody else. Let me take care of you tonight and do everything for you. Mm. She go, oh, thank you. Now, years later, I'd be in a hurry to get into the car and she go stand by the door and smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's I a like beautiful this. play. I like this play. So it's all mm. about giving and receiving and mm. learning how to find the balance between those two things. Now, here's something very interesting is that giving to get produces testosterone. Like I work hard because I'm getting paid. Okay, that's it. I'm not gonna go work hard unless I get paid. Mm. And if you, if that's why a lot of guys who don't need money become all indulgent, they go too far to their female side. You know, they start drinking too much, having lots of girls, breaking up their marriage, you know, becoming angry. These are all things that happen when men go too far to their female side. Or let's say you're a guy and you just was given $300 million from your father, you're a spoiled brat your whole life. You're a narcissist because you never earned it. You see, men have to earn it. Testosterone is when you earn it. Mm. Estrogen is you don't have to earn it at all. Mm. It's, it's you deserve it no matter what. Now, see, what we want is a balance of both. But what I'm pointing out is these romantic rituals, for example, opening the car door, he plans the date, he drives the car. Oh, my God. When a man's driving the car, estrogen levels soar in a woman. It's great foreplay if he can drive in a way that makes her feel safe. And if she recognizes that he is driving in a way to make her feel safe. Mm. Like when Bonnie and I, we used to have arguments in the car. She'd always say, slow down, don't go here. You should do that. I said, it drives me crazy when you give me, telling me how to drive. When you're driving, you got to be in control. And I feel really annoyed and irritated. I felt controlled. And then she said, well, John, if I'm uncomfortable, how can I communicate that to you? And I remember that was a big problem for me to solve. And then I said, oh, I figured it out. Don't say anything. <laughs> Just hold the handle. <laughs> so she reach up and hold the handle. And I said, oh, I'll slow down. I'm happy to do that for you, honey. And I touch her on the thigh. And I said, because I love you. And she said, I know. And I greatly appreciate it. As opposed to if she doesn't have the understanding of what we're talking about here, she could say, well, you should drive slow. That's her rules, not my rules. See, giving up controlling your partner, judging your partner, being critical of your partner, we only do those as defense mechanisms when we have a cortisol reaction. And it's hopeless. Your mind will be filled with negativity when you're having a cortisol reaction. 
and it happens all the time. So what do you do? You know the signs of it. If you're a woman, you can do things to create your estrogen. If you're a man, you do things to create your testosterone. Mm-hmm. And then blood flows, flows to the front part of your brain, where now you're capable of embracing both your male and female side. Got it. So that's the balance point. That's why we all had such ecstasy. Oh my God, when women started wearing pants, they were just so happy. You know, and when I, my generation, you couldn't even wear pants to school if you were a woman. Wow. You had to wear a, you had to wear a dress. Mm. <laughs> That's how it was. And women started wearing pants and they just felt fantastic. Why? Because now they were free to experience their whole self. Mm. And as it's like a pendulum swinging. If you're way on one side and you swing to the other, as you're swinging to the other at that midpoint, mm. it's ecstasy. And that's what ideally, if you deeply love someone over many, many years, you grow into ecstatic lovemaking. And for me, I mean, you can see I'm charged up. My love for my wife, making love with her was a way of charging us up. Because mm. the world sucks it out of you, okay? Mm. Literally, if you're a beacon of light and love, it just goes right out and now you're drained. Yes. But making love recharges you. That's it. But it takes a lot of uh, good skills, discipline, education, knowledge to do that. Why? I, I, I have a few questions about the making love part. Um, but before, could, could I just want to wrap one piece, uh, the piece around grief, and then I want to circle back to the making love. Because you mentioned Bonnie. We started out there. How did you deal with losing her? How did you process that? I go right to, this is my recharger. This is my making love. I'm bonded to her. When I make love with Bonnie, the experience is I'm yours, total surrender, and you're mine, total attachment. Mm. That's what can happen. You know, people say, oh, you should be detached. Nonsense. That's your male side should be detached. But your female side is your mind. She's my wife. I'm hers. I surrender to her. To feel both those male, female energies in their purest love form. We are one. I'm yours. You're mine. We are one. We were one. She's still one in my heart. Mm. To lose her, to watch her die over nine, nine months was the most horrible experience afterwards in my life. The whole time people say, are you upset? No, we're going to fix this. We're going to solve this. I tried everything I could to help her. I thought to the dying day that we were going to get through this. I, I told her, I'm so sorry, honey. And she said, oh, John, you're my hero. Don't be sorry. I love you so much. You've done everything. Mm-hmm. Those were magic words for me. Because, oh, and, and for, still, I, and the, for, in the night, can't sleep at night, all feeling I should have been able to save her. I wish I could have saved her. I feel so sad I don't have her. I'm so angry about the medical system, how manipulative they were. You know, all I wanted them to do was certain things, not everything they wanted to do, and they had to do everything, and that's not what she wanted. She didn't have control. She should have had to control the way she wanted. So I was angry about that. I was sad to lose my sweetheart. I was afraid the pain would last forever, even though intellectually, because I've helped people grieve, and I... And I've done this with the loss of my brother, the loss of my brothers. My brother committed suicide. My father was found dead in the trunk of his car after helping hitchhiker. These are all shocks. I heard that on my honeymoon. My sister 
my little sister died eight years ago of Alzheimer's to watch her die of Alzheimer's, a horrible, horrible death. My brother had liver cancer, watching him die, being there. I've been through it, but nothing like losing my wife. Mm-hmm. And to understand people who lose someone that close to you, it could be like a child or someone you've been with a long time or basically as much as you've bonded with them. It's called attachment. Mm-hmm. What happens with attachment is Freud explained this. This is a simple concept. The way the brain works is we come into this world, the most important thing is to feel loved. If people don't like you and love you, they don't feed you. They throw you away. Survival. Mm-hmm. It's all about being cute. It's all about mm-hmm. <laughs> being vulnerable. It's all about you know being little so people want to give to you and help you. Everything is about we, the greatest need we have is to bond, that, that someone love us. Mm. And that's called a need that we have. Then we grow up and so forth. And then you start having sex with someone and love them. It creates a new kind of bond, the highest bond there is. And we can measure that in terms of hormones. Now, at that time, what happens over and over and over, and you keep having sex over and over, the bond gets stronger and stronger. So Freud explained a concept called need integrate. I have a need for love and I'm looking for love in my life. And then I find Bonnie and she becomes a source of love for me. She loves me so much. So after a while, the brain changes and it goes, oh, I don't need love. I need Bonnie. Mm. That's the same thing people have with money, for example. <laughs> they, <laughs> they need security, but then they suddenly start going, money gives me security, I need money. Okay, so the, and then, you know, you can see how this works more and more and more depending on things. But really what we need most is love. Mm. But my brain, after so many years, says, I don't need love. I need Bonnie and Bonnie's not here. So I can't have love. I wanted to die. Wow. I would have died, but I have a responsibility to my children. Mm. I don't want to be here. I want to die. I want to go back in time. I don't like it here. Without her, I'm, it's a desert. I wailed for two or three months. I didn't even want anybody in my home. Now, everybody's a little different. Women need to talk more. I needed to be alone to build my testosterone up because there was so much estrogen. And, but I was in touch with it. I wasn't denying it by drugs or masturbation or porn. Or mm. I've already gotten over that hurdle. I know not to use addictions. Mm. So, but, so the feelings were there. And they were primitive feelings. It was deep, deep, deep attachment to her. And I wailed and wailed and wailed. Uh, it's an old, old system. Uh, I remember being in, in Nepal and watching the places where when the husband dies, they burn his body. And I went there and watched it. And then the woman throws her body into the fire. Wow. Now, she didn't do it. What, it's, now it's a ritual. She feels like it, but the family members hold her back. Okay. But in the old days, they would actually throw her, she would throw herself in the fire. It's an instinct. If it's very deep bonding, then I can't live. I can't live. Mm. And the pain was so great. So I just wail, being able to express wailing to finally, I could start connecting with my more human self and being able to identify my emotions. I'm so sad. I'm afraid. I'm angry. And a big part of all my books, you see, I've written so many books, almost at every one. I talk about how to heal your heart. I developed that after my first marriage ended where my wife fell in love with another man. It was devastating. You know, I'm teaching a relationship seminar called Making Love Work. My wife falls in love with a participant 
and wants to marry him and wants to leave me. So wow. my heart is broken <laughs> and my career was over. How could I teach a seminar on making love work if my wife <laughs> were getting a divorce? Oh, that was a hard time. Wow. So I did eventually, I did all this healing, but then I, it was my livelihood. So then I started teaching a course on how to heal your heart because I only teach what I need to learn. I've been always, all these books are things that are about my journey, my experience and so forth. And if it's good for me, I want to share it with others. But what I learned is whenever there's a pain, a wound, uh, it's only hurts because our brain is thinking something that's not correct. Mm. There's all, you know, basically it's your soul talking to you when you're in your pain saying, hey, you need to look at this a little differently. But mm -hmm. it, in that case, I had to let go of Bonnie, our, my first wife. I had to let go of depending on her for love and come back to finding love again. And of course, with Bonnie, it was like she was my source of love on a deep, deep level. How could I be that way with somebody else? I just didn't know. So the need integrate, there's a way the brain lets go. And the way it lets go is four different emotions, anger, sadness, fear, and guilt. Okay, this always is clearly like um, if I held up this app with mouse here, if you want to look at it, you have to look at it from one side, the other side, the other side, the other side. And that's called a gestalt is to see the whole picture. When you can see all of the emotions associated with a source of pain, the brain will adjust. It will let go. But if you don't look at it all, the brain is waiting for you to see the whole thing. Uh, it's like, for example, if somebody's angry, you know, I'm so angry. I say, yeah, oh, you're angry, but I think you're also afraid. They go, I'm not afraid, but you can't be angry without being afraid. <laughs> and you can't be angry unless you're disappointed. You had some expectation that it wasn't met. And so if there's an unmet expectation, you have some sadness. That's a natural. See, these are monkey reactions in the brain. We do not want to turn off the monkey brain, just like we don't want to turn off our unconscious mind. This is what made this body. This is what keeps our heart open. This is also how the soul talks to us when our thinking is off. When our thinking is off in some way, the soul says, that's not my message to you. And so you feel pain of separation from your soul. All emotional pain is a thought being produced in your brain that's disconnecting you from your soul. It's your soul talking to you. I, you need to feel some pain here. And if you don't feel pain, you're going to have to feel more <laughs> more until you let it go. But part of the problem is some, we don't have emotional literacy to be able to go through all four of those emotions. You know, everybody talks about these four stages of, of, of dying or whatever it is. It's of similar grief. to that. What is it? Is it four, the, the five stages of grief or the four stages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think this is way more sophisticated than that. that there's no bargaining and, and denial is true. I mean, the denial is, no, it can't be. I'm in shock. Are you, I mean, it's been two years. Did you get to a point of, of, of peace and letting go? Oh, I'm happier uh, than I've ever been in my life. And oh, I wow. also go through waves of, of, of not so happy. But always, I know it's just a wave. I'm going to come oh. through it. Mm. But you have to have certain concepts in your mind to get through it. And here's a very important one. One is you have to have the technology the awareness of how to work through different levels of feeling. And it doesn't happen right away. All I could feel in the beginning was sadness and grief. Okay. I just, I didn't know what I was afraid of. I just wanted to die. Okay. So you get, you, you have to learn to experience these different levels of feeling. Then you get in touch with feeling what I really want. And what I really want, of course, in the beginning is I, I want to die. I don't want to be here, but that's an, I don't want as opposed to I, what I do want. 
It takes a while to get to that place. And what keeps us from that mm. is this another mental construct that we have to be very much aware of. And that's the construct that the brain goes, my wife died. I want to die. I'm so unhappy. I'm so sad. I don't care about being here. How am I going to live? Who am I going to be with? I just don't even want to face any of this. Okay, so that's the that's pain, right? And now the brain says, the reason I feel so much pain is because I love Bonnie so much. The reason I'm so unhappy is because I love Bonnie so much. So if I allow myself to become happy again, that must mean I don't love Bonnie. That's tricky. That's very, very tricky. Very Even tricky. like, you know, we, we're members of a group of authors called TLC, Transformational Leaders. And I went after Bonnie died, there was one I went to. And the first thing I did there was I wanted to have a ceremony for Bonnie and grieve because I can I grieve every other day. So now I grieve on the weekends usually. <laughs> uh, it comes and it goes, it comes and it goes, but oh, my joy, my life is greater than it's ever been. Uh, mm. For example, Bonnie used to love trees. She just was enamored with trees. And I had nothing to do with trees. I mean, they're nice. We, I live now in heaven. We have beautiful redwood trees here that I never even noticed. I feel like I'm standing in the Grand Canyon when I walk through them and they're glorious and they're alive. And there's like beings that I'm one with. I just, I, I feel like I, I live in heaven here. It's Mill Valley. It's an amazing place. But she loved the trees and she felt it, it kept her happy. Well, now I, she's with me, you see. As a soulmate, I'm drawn to her because inside of her is something that wants to emerge inside of me. Mm. And through loving her and now through grieving, oh my gosh, I, my heart has opened even more. As I let go of her, I find her inside of me. Mm. And had to give myself permission. So first I had this big ceremony and I, I, I told them how Bonnie died. I told them the whole journey. I, then I have every share and we all cried. We cried and cried. They all saw I cried. So now I could have fun the next day because everybody wouldn't think, oh, he's just happy. How could he be so happy? It's six months after his wife died. That's unbelievable. And then a year after I, I got in a new relationship. I'm with wow. a new soulmate, you know, wow. I'm having the greatest sex ever you know mm. and 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 she's so beautiful because she had recently lost her father uh and she'd gone through three years of grieving so she understood the grieving process she understood that i would just go through i'd be with her and be really happy then suddenly all these waves of mm. i miss my wife and she's fine with that but mm. you know she, making love is making love it's healed me so much i have a whole message is that once you've done six months of grieving a year of grieving or even sooner for some people, maybe later for others, you've got to get back on the horse. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a child falls off of a horse, you put him back on. That's part of the healing process. Once my brain was letting go, letting go of Bonnie and finding her in my heart with, with gratitude and appreciation and love. And I had so many times, I'm so, so please forgive me, I would say. I'd wake up in the night and I'd remember every argument that we ever had for 34 years. It would be one argument, and I could see it more clearly. I wish I'd done it differently. I wish I could have done that. Every painful moment over 34 years eventually came back to me where I was able to have a conversation with her in my heart. Wow. So, so sorry, honey, and feel appreciation for her and feel her love for me, her acceptance of me and all that good stuff. And it was just literally digging deeper until, until like this weekend, it, it, when something triggers you, 
there's always something in present time, but it's also, it triggers things in your past. Mm. And the deeper the bonding, the more fur- deeper you'll go. So like this weekend, I did have a down day and I cried and I missed Bonnie. And I said, okay, where does this come from? And then I went all the way back to uh, when I was a little little boy. I literally could remember my first day of kindergarten where I'm holding onto my mother's leg. Mama, I don't want to go. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Don't make me go. Don't make me go. That's where these feelings were there because there's still a part of me. I haven't written a book since Bonnie died. I still feel a part of me. I'm still broken. I just, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. There's a lot of pressure on me because I feel really good. I'm teaching a lot and everything. I've got five books in my head. Just can't sit down and do it. Not feeling ready. And so I'm, I just had to be that. That's the feeling. And now I've got this memory coming up as I'm grieving Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Remembering so clearly, literally, it was like I could feel myself as that little tiny boy holding on to my mother's leg. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Don't make me go. Don't make me go. And crying and crying. And then I went deeper back to my womb experience which is where I came from heaven. I came into her womb. I'm feeling that place. And then my mother went to the hospital early uh, because she was so easy having babies. She could just plop them out. You know, she had, I'm number five. So she didn't want to have it happen in the car. So <laughs> she went early and the doctor told her, well, take this injection and he'll come out sooner. And that was something called Pitocin. My mother didn't understand it, but she said, no, no, no. And he said, no, it'll be all right, Mrs. Gray, you can do it. She said, no, no, no. And he did it anyway and just gave her that injection. And I came out and I'm feeling I'm not ready. And I'm also feeling enraged. Even to this day, I don't trust doctors, as you know. (laughs) I like holistic doctors. I even wrote a whole book on the the effects of giving a woman Pitocin. Uh, I did a research study on that. But anyway, the point of being my little soul said, I'm not ready. And it, but that was painful for me. And I got mad about it. How dare you and all that. But that is part of my life lesson. Mm. And part of my life lesson is uh, you don't have to be ready to begin. You don't have to be ready to begin. And as you know, me as one of my friends, I never plan anything. I just, (laughs) I just stand out there in front of an audience and go, what am I going to talk about tonight? And I never tell my organizers that, though, because they say, okay, what are you going to talk about? I say, oh, I got it planned. And they, they, otherwise, if I say, I'll see what I want to talk about. And then they say, how can you give a talk without planning? I said, you see behind me, that's over, that's 27 books. <laughs> I think I, I think a, a, a lot of knowledge and experience. There. A little knowledge. Because see, if, you plan, if you're in touch with the soul, my soul knows what to say. And it doesn't have to be perfect either. I never think what my soul says is perfect. It's just closer to the truth than my brain can do. And it grows and evolves. So Uh, those are two important points. Need integrate. You need time mm -hmm. to process the negative emotions. Always come back to feeling love and gratitude, love and gratitude, love and gratitude. And that's what a funeral should be. Everybody talking about experiences they had with the person who was lost. Mm -hmm. I kept a journal of all the things that really touched my heart. You know, people would say, oh, I, my condolences, that meant nothing. Uh, <laughs> and, or people would give me advice. Well, you know, she, she's, she's in heaven and she wants you to be happy now. <laughs> I don't need to hear that right now. You know, I need to feel my pain right now. But what people would do is I'd say, would you tell me an experience you had with Bonnie? And they would say, oh, like you just said, it touched my heart. At TLC, Bonnie would come into the room. And it was just like an angel coming in. She was, was really was. 
She really was. She was my age. The, 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 the vibration of the room shifted when she would smile at me. It was like, you know, I just felt so much love. Really. And I, I, I'm so grateful because every morning, every, you know, she was, everybody has their challenges, but every morning she was that person. Wow. She'd wake up in heaven and I'd give her this hug and her little nightgown and, and I still could feel it. And I just was in heaven with her connection wow. with her. Wow. And then, you know, during the day she'd have worries and stresses and whatever, you know, but she always yes, woke yes. up in that pure place and that's yes. what kept us bonded. Amazing. And, and we had, and we had good relationship skills after 23 years. You know, she said to me, I asked her, oh, this is a nice way to finish up a bit, but it's uh, I said to her, how do you rate me as a husband? And she laughed and she said, Oh, John, as a, pa- a father to our children, you're the very best as a husband. You're not perfect. <laughs> and, and we laughed because we know we're not perfect. That's part of what makes our relationship work. And she said, you're not perfect, but you've given me the greatest gift any woman could want. I said, what's that? And she said, John, I know I can make you angry and upset you. I don't mean to, but sometimes you just get your buttons pushed. And every time you stop talking, you go to your cave, you do some magic, you always come back with more love. Mm. Not come back loving, but come back with more love. love. Mm. That's the thing. That's called growing in love. And for me, the sign of growing in love is growing passion as well. And that is, I won't say it's for everybody, but the people that come to my seminars, ask them, what is it that you're looking for? And they want to keep that attraction and that passion. Yeah. I say, well, I've got it and I know how to teach it for those mm-hmm. who want to learn it. But mm-hmm. it, means, it means reorganizing everything in your brain. It's, it's literally like using a muscle that you haven't learned to use yet. Yes. And that's learning to balance your hormones through your behaviors. And, you know, some of the things that men are from Mars are right there. For example, a big estrogen stimulator for women is feeling I can share, I can be naked emotionally. Mm. And so she can share whatever's inside. But the problem with that is if you share what's ever inside, sometimes what's inside is blamed. Then <laughs> so, the guy gets defensive and then she will get defensive back and it doesn't work. So mm. there's a whole art where you there's can share art. every. That you can yeah. share everything you feel in the beginning about other things that are bothering you. Mm. other things that trigger you or if your partner triggers you you just say you know when you said that or did that it triggered these feelings i remember when i was a little girl and this happened so you don't blame no blame you take the blame out of it and your partner can hear you and ironically if a man is successful at listening to a woman and she can appreciate him for that his testosterone shoots up so -hmm. it's a win for him and it's a win for her but this is these are advanced communication skills but if you think about this idea of keeping passion alive for a lifetime, historically, that never happened on planet Earth. That's rare. That's, That's why I really love the way you share, because you share it so profoundly, yet so practically at the same time. In the final few, you know, I want to be respectful to your time in the final moments we have together, talking about passion. We kind of started off in that conversation about lovemaking. I know we could probably have another podcast on this. We'll bring you back just for, just for this topic, John, because like, once we get you started, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. I just say start and you go. Ecstatic lovemaking. I mean, the last few minutes, kind of let's prime that. Like, I would love to know, 34 years, and here you are, the celibate monk, nine years, you come out, you're Casanova, you're making love, you're learning about sex, and then you're also in this deeply loving relationship having this soulful sexual exchange. For those listening in, give us some of the 
as we wrap up, give us some of the sort of foundational keys to ecstatic lovemaking. What's the deal? How can we do it? How do we get it on? All right. Well, you have to get that ecstatic lovemaking is when both the male and female side is balanced inside of you. Mm. And, and, you know, we're never perfectly balanced all the time. It's, you find that balance plate and that's you, you culture the ability to do that with your partner to get to that place of balance. So again, you, you've got ma- the male energy is go fast. The female energy is go slow. If he's faster than her, she'll slow down even more. If she's more slow, he'll tend to speed up. Okay, so you have to find this balance of the masculine and feminine energy, and you have to find it outside the bedroom first. Mm, mm. But you also have to find it inside the bedroom to continue finding it outside the bedroom. Mm. They're both equally important in my mind. So we have to have these really good making love skills. We need good communication skills and loving actions out of the bedroom, but in the bedroom, we need to have these skills. Now, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. First, let me just give a reference to one of my books, Mars, Venus in the Bedroom. Let me give a reference to my website, marsvenus.com, where I have an online course for this. Uh, it's, it's a big subject. There's no, not a simple answer, but I want to give you something really, you asked about what's the foundation of- The foundation, so, so we can get started. You know? Okay, well, here's what will start it. This is, you know, you said I say practical things. Well, here's the most practical of all. Research has now shown that when a man ejaculates, his testosterone level is cut in half. Mm. It recovers after six to seven days. If you were to masturbate or have sex again after two or three days, your, your testosterone levels will stay down always. You need to go, if you want to have double the testosterone, that's called alpha man. That's also called bonding, feeling in love with your partner. That's ecstatic love. Your testosterone level, if you're a man, has to be double. And a woman's estrogen level has to be double. So that's the whole idea for men. If you, if you, if you do online porn, if you have sex more than, twi- more than once a week, you're not building up your testosterone stamina. Now, I know there's special, you know, you can have your romantic weekends and have a lot of sex and whatever, but the reality is so many couples lose the passion. Bonnie and I had sex once a week, once I started realizing I'm just gonna go with what's natural. And sometimes we'd also practice, and we do this for long periods of time as well, where I'd practice having sex without ejaculating. Mm. Now that's the only thing I do. Uh, I want my testosterone double all the time with my partner now, I've developed a whole new system uh, of making sure that men can have their orgasm without ejaculating. But the training for that is first to just have, to have ejaculation just once a week. That's the most important thing. You'll be, you have, your brain is trained to do it whenever possible. You have to realize that's not you. You can have sex more than once a week, but ejaculate once a week. Just ejaculate. Uh-huh. And if you don't ejaculate, you'll want to have sex more and more and more. See, that's the whole thing. And, but if you do ejaculate, there will be a drop in testosterone. And maybe after a few days, you can have sex again without ejaculating. But it goes without, this is like so important. Now, the next thing is to know is that every time a man ejaculates, he does withdraw. There's this pulling away. That's his testosterone going down. He needs to yep. detach to recover. Mm. The woman, she might have had a full-blown orgasm, but afterwards... His pulling away gives a message to her body that if I open up, I lose love. Mm. That's a conditioned response. Nature's taking care of all this, 
Because if a man actually makes love with his partner, not just a prostitute, a stranger, a one night stand, masturbating to fantasy, if you do, we'll call that non-personal sex, that has a different hormonal reaction than making love to your partner. This is like the Italians did this research and they found that when you ejaculate with your wife, someone you love, because there's other hormones involved, more estrogen, more serotonin, more oxytocin, you're actually caring for somebody, you have history with somebody, all of that stuff, and you're still turned on to them, your body then produces a hormone called prolactin. Now prolactin will actually inhibit your sexual desire for six days. It, it's, a, it's a safety factor in nature that put into men and mm -hmm. to women, which is when you have a, a sexual experience, you can make a baby, right? So if he's the right guy for you women and you love him, you've tested him, he's the right guy, your love will trigger inside of him prolactin and prolactin will keep him from having a wandering eye. Mm. It keeps him from having to have sex otherwise. But today there's so much sexual temptation for men. They get over sexually stimulated and they masturbate or they wanna come home and just release with their partner. Mm. And unfortunately that then inhibits his ability to get to that high level when he's with his wife. And if he can't get to that high level, she can't because mm. her body will go into a conditioned response. I've just lost him. That's called conditioning. You have something in psychology called counter conditioning, which means that if six days later, his testosterone levels double, her conditioning gets reversed where she's no longer feeling, I can't open up, he's back. Mm. So that's literally what Bonnie told me is I know whenever you pull away, you'll come back with more. And mm -hmm. that's the psychological side of it. Then here's the actual biological mm -hmm. side of it that, that we have to realize. And the challenge for males today is there's so much uh, easy to have sex online and it's so pleasurable. It's actually more dopamine produced from that than making love to your wife. So it's like taking cocaine. Hmm. When you take cocaine, it desensitizes your brain. So actually they've proven this, one shot of cocaine, like an ejaculation to a person you don't know, is uh, it will reduce your capacity to experience pleasure by 30%. That's measurable. These have these dopamine receptor sites, 30% of them closed down. Mm. So that's why things become addictive is I, I get this high pleasurable experience. Now my brain already wasn't feeling very happy. Now it's a, a lost 30% of its ability to be happy. Mm. So it says, I must have my cocaine again. And that's the addiction. Ejaculation is one of the most addictive things there is in the world. Mm. And if you're going to ejaculate, make sure you do it with a woman that loves you and you love her so that your body doesn't become addicted to that because yeah. that's what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. We have teenagers at 21 years old who are impotent when they get married. Uh, they can't even get an erection with a woman they love. Wow. Because their testosterone is so low due to all the masturbation and the porn. Mm. It's not like you're a bad person if you masturbate. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just telling you the, the fact. Biological, yeah. Biological, what works and so forth. And, and, and it's not like you can never have more only sex once a week. There's no structure here. Have to, you're sinning if you don't. You're, it's just, if you want to have long lasting, great sex with your partner, start practicing this. And if you want evidence, just try six days of no masturbation or no, no sex with your partner and see what happens on the mm -hmm. sixth or seventh or eighth day. 
you'll just feel like I can't live without you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A, so that, that's the foundation of ecstatic sex is right there. And of course, yeah. the other side of it is making sure that the woman feels safe and secure outside of the car. So mm. men drive safely. <laughs> I love it. Why, why is driving such a powerful estrogen stimulator? Because the truth is if she's in the front seat, her life is depending on you in that moment. And mm -hmm. if she feels that I have to tell you how to drive, then she can't feel I can depend on you. Mm -hmm. And so you see so many couples where the woman is driving the man around and I go, Oh, they're probably no <laughs> longer having great sex. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and the reason most, in most cases, the reason she's driving is because he's tired of her telling him how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> a man yeah. will just go, okay, you want to drive, you drive. <laughs> yeah. We need to figure this out. So there's at least these places where a woman can feel I can depend on a man for emotional nakedness, protection while you're driving the car. Uh, also that he's willing to do things for me. Uh, you can't be too soft if you're a man. You got to learn to toughen up a bit. I love it. Foundations of ecstatic lovemaking, folks. John, I'd love to have you back at some point. And I just, the next episode, we're just going to talk about sex, lovemaking, orgasm, multiple <laughs> orgasms, non-ejaculatory orgasms. I got it all. I got it all. That is our next episode. I promise you folks, if you're listening in, I'm sure you enjoyed this episode with the amazing John Gray. But, but do uh, me a favor. Do me a favor. Yeah. Before that episode, let's preface it. This is only if that's something you aspire towards and you're interested in. Because sure. some people are just not into sex and it sounds very disgusting and I don't want to disgust anybody. But for the people sure. that are looking for it, we got the answers. Well, it, it, then it's just the conversation for you and I that we'll, we'll record <laughs> and see. <laughs> John, I love you, man. You know, you're always just full of light, full of love. Honestly, you are you're an inspiration, you know, doing what you're doing, sharing what you're sharing at the level you are and just your willingness to open your heart, be transparent, keep loving. Seriously. Well, I, I got to remember, I got to tell people, MarsVenus.com is where you can get more of me. Yes. Uh, MarsVenus.com. There's a free course there. We're getting rave reviews right on the front page called How to Get Everything You Want in Your Relationships. Also, a big part of what I have there is wellness information, which is how to provide the nutritional support in order to balance your hormones. There are certain herbs that will help you along the way for men's increasing testosterone, for women's balancing hormones, estrogen, progesterone, oxytocin. So I basically help people on a nutritional level as well as on the psychological level because I think it all goes together. It's all interconnected. MarsVenus.com, folks, you heard it there. And what was the name of your course again, John? So people can... It's right on the front page, but it's how to get everything you want in relationships. And it's free. And I do it with my daughter, Lauren Gray. Amazing. Uh, she's amazing too. Amazing. How to get everything you want, folks. If that doesn't sound amazing, then I would just say sign up now. Uh, John, I love you lots. Everybody, told you this was going to be a great episode. Uh, send me an email. I want to know your key takeaways from uh, this uh, new podcast episode with John Gray. Kublaxon at kublaxon.com. Share this episode with everyone you know. Post on social media. Subscribe to Soul Talk. Sending you much love now. Amazing. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, 
Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.